0: You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus.
1: Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line.
2: Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team.
0: Now, here's your host, NASA Chobe. The Seahawks get back to their winning ways, beating the Jets 23-6 at Lumen Field on Sunday, keeping their playoff chances alive. It was a great effort by the Seahawks on offense and defense. Gino goes 3-0 on his revenge tour against the former teams. Big win for the Seahawks, but it's been a little bit of time, but we start this thing off with our guy, Ray Roberts, in the trenches.
2: It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts.
0: Big Ray, it was a great win on Sunday. Excited about that. It was the Seahawks' first home win since I checked back. It was actually October 30th against the Jets, so it's been a long time. Another good thing that happened was the first time that Ken Walker had back-to-back 100-yard rushing games in his career. What did the Seahawks figure out on Sunday, and what have they figured out the last two weeks when it comes to the run game?
1: You know, what I, I think it was a combination of two things. I think a couple weeks ago at halftime, remember remember... Um, uh, Ken Walker came out the second half and had a, a big day. And at the press conference uh, or the post-game conference, he said that, you know, that at halftime they were telling him, you know, to, to kind of get more decisive in his in his approach. And we talked about his ability to receive that coaching and how it was going to pay off for him uh, in the long run. And so it showed up again, you know, yesterday because he was very decisive. Even, you know, Turbo, who is sometimes – questioning whether, you know, he's been a little too indecisive or, you know, tapping his feet at the line of scrimmage before, you know, hitting the hole uh, was impressed by his decision-making and just making a decision and saying, I'm going to go get this three or four yards. Because if you think about it, the first play was what, 60 something yards. And then after that, he probably averaged a little less than four yards to carry, but it was because he had established a threat and he had established his commitment to, been decisive in how he was running it really made a difference in the run game yesterday
2: Ray was nice to see Ken Walker do his same but he can't do it without the big boys man Stone Forsyth um, got his first career start what you see out of him
1: uh, I thought he played good I watched him quite a bit in the in the first half and I was watching mainly just to kind of see what they were trying to do to him in the past game I, he's such a big dude that in the run game you would line up Jake Curran beside him or uh, Kobe Parkinson and that's a that's a massive a lot of uh, of human bodiness to uh to move some people so he was doing pretty good in the run game and then he held his own in the passing game but the, the fact that he gave up I think was there's was a pressure from the guard and then Gino kind of uh stepped a little bit deeper into the right side and then it kind of uh gave um uh, Stones got an opportunity to get the sack but I was impressed with how he played and I was also impressed with how uh, Austin Blythe played, uh, you know, I've been critical of him over the last couple of weeks, but he did a pretty good job against Quentin Williams. You know, Quentin, I think, maybe had a couple hits on the quarterback, but I think he only had one tackle. So uh, they did a pretty good job of keeping him in check.
0: Ray, staying on the run game and tight ends, you mentioned Jake Curhan being eligible, number big 74 out there. I know we used to see that a lot when George Fant was a member of the Seahawks. Will Disley went down. And he's been on IR. What'd you see from the tight ends? Tyler Mabry got in there for the first time, caught his first touchdown pass. But what'd you see from them, Colby Parkinson, as well as Noah Fant? And then I'll just throw in Jake Curhan as well, kind of filling yeah. in as that tight end slash extra offensive lineman. I
1: thought they did a good job of, involving the tight ends again you saw that they were trying to get the ball to disley they uh you know they got the ball to fan like they were trying to get the get the ball around to the tight ends because to me like that has been the glue to the offense that to me that's what unlocks this offense is the use of the tight end in the passing game and so it was kind of good to see them get those targets again and then you know like we talked about jake uh you know i think the only reason that you know he loses out at the right tackle spot is that he's probably you know, in space, not as athletic as you would like in a pass blocker, but to me, he's one of the more more effective run blockers on the team. So to have him come in as that that uh, you know elephant position, I guess if you want to call it, as a tight end in the run game, uh, I thought that I thought they that was a good choice by them to use him that way because he is he is a dude that can move the pile and and he impacts the running game in a positive way.
2: Let's go to, uh, to the other side of the football. Uh, the defense, man, did not surrender a touchdown and got after the quarterback, man. A guy who we expected to have a big year. It's kind of come on late. Daryl Taylor had two and a half sacks, three QB hits. Um, How far has this young man come?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, at the beginning of the season, man, I had so much hype for this dude. Like, he was a guy that I was the most excited to watch this year. And then after a couple of weeks, he just wasn't, Planned to where I think they wanted him to play, and the uh, was playing pretty good, and Mafe was coming in and playing good, and then I think it was a, I forget the guy's name Johnson Jr. Uh, had that that they had off the practice squad or something was playing well, and so he kind of lost you know his playing time, but here we are at the end of the season and uh, and he's right there at, you know, double digit sacks just about. And so the last few weeks, I think he's played a little bit more under control, a little bit more focused and, and play with a purpose. Sometimes when you would rush the quarterback, you're kind of like, man, what is he trying to get done? But you got to have a game plan, rushing the quarterback. It's not just, I'm just going to run you around the corner. And so he's done a good job with that. And then the interior defensive line did a good job yesterday too. So Quentin Jefferson, had a sack and a half but the other guys were really pushing the pocket so that those edge rushers can get to the quarterback helps that mike white is not a real elusive dude so you knew what spot he was going to be in and so they i think they got what four sacks and 10 hits on him so they did a really good job getting after the quarterback yesterday
0: staying on defense one of the things that happened on sunday which hurt was jordan brooks went down it looks like he has a serious acl injury and your heart breaks for him for sure he's having a hell of a season it was you know, in the top three in the NFL in tackles. So how does this defense move forward, especially going into this last week, still fighting for the playoffs? What do you see from Tanner Muse and how can this defense kind of rally without their leader, Jordan Brooks, out there wearing the green dot?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think, you know, uh, this is a time where a guy like, uh, having a guy like Diggs is a big deal because he can provide that kind of leadership and that spark and, you know, bring some some uh, some comfort to the to the um defense. But then Cody Barton, you know, when he's had to slide over and play the middle backer, he's done a a decent job. And so Yues came in yesterday and got a you know got a pass defense and made a few tackles in the time that he had to play. So I think they're I think if they keep playing with the intensity, just the overall like I think uh True was talking about this yesterday, about it not being a single person, but being like the whole offense, defense special teams and then also just Within each of those teams, everybody planned their role. So the pass rush and the pass defense were connected yesterday. So it has to be the same kind of thing going into this week, just really relying on everybody to show up and do their jobs to take up for the big hole that, that's going to be uh, uh, not having Brooks there.
0: Well, Ray, the Seahawks taking on the uh, Rams this coming Sunday. Detroit Lions taking on the Packers. We need your both your teams to come out with a victory, <laughs> hoping the Seahawks can get in the playoffs. Ray, we appreciate you. You can hear Ray on the huddle every Thursday inside the trenches there as well on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show with Michael Bumpus. Ray, appreciate you hopping on with us.
1: Thanks, Ray. Peace. Appreciate it,
0: brothers. All right, that was our guy Ray Roberts. Now it's time to get back into the specifics of that game, what had happened.
1: See, what had happened at first was
2: <laughs> What happened was, what
0: had happened was on Hawk Talk for weeks, but for weeks, we have been begging the Seahawks to get off to a fast start. And that is exactly what we got on Sunday. Honestly, I think it was the last time Seahawks got off to a fast start was against the Raiders. That didn't end well for them. But it gives you a chance to play the game differently. On Sunday, first play from scrimmage, Ken Walker takes the ball 60 yards down the Jets sideline. Two plays later, Seahawks find the end zone as Geno Smith connects with Colby Parkinson for a 12-yard touchdown, making it the score 7 to 0. We'll break that down here in a little bit in the film session. And then on the very next possession, Quandre Diggs picks off Mike White, holding that thing in the air. Bump. Pete called it shameful, but they're just having some fun. He was inspired by Dion.
2: Yeah, he was. Man, he said prime time did it. You know, he saw it, so he wanted to do it too, man. And um, that was good. I, I felt like the defense needed that. Quandre needed that. The Pro Bowler looked like a Pro Bowler on that right there. And the, the Hawks would go nine plays, 57 yards and drive down, but have to settle for a field goal that made the score 10 to zero. The Jets would answer with a field goal of their own. That made this score 10 to three. And then Gino, he goes right back down to Phil He answers. They go seven plays, 75 yards. And he finds Taylor may for his first ever NFL reception. Happens to be a touchdown puts
0: above 14 to three. Yeah. I love to see Mabry getting in the end zone because he's been around for a long time. Um, I got to, First introduced with him during the COVID season, so he's been on the practice squad. He's been here working his tail off every single day, so it was really cool to see him. Obviously, you'd wish Will Disley was playing, but cool to see him out there and get his first NFL touchdown in reception. So the Jets, after that, they'd kick a field goal in the next drive, and they would take a 17-6. The Seahawks would take a 17-6 lead into the half. The second half did not feature a touchdown, but the Seahawks remained in control. They were able to kick two field goals, had another driver they could have, Jason Myers, who's been nails all season, finally missed one, but good to get that out of the way before the Seahawks continue this run to the postseason. And then one of those field goals was set up by Mike Jackson, who uh, intercepted, making the final score 23-6. to So good to see bump. You know, it was good to see the Seahawks be in control from start to finish. And it was their first lead since week 13 against the Rams. That's, that's wild. Holy smokes.
2: That don't even seem right, man. That does not seem right. They were also top of the league at one point when it comes to turnover differential going into the game, they were even, they were plus three with two picks and a fumble recovery held the jets to 279 as two weeks in a row. They held opponents to under 300 yards. Also held the jets to four for 13 on third down. at O for two on fourth Won the time of possession, But bad news out this day, man. I saw it when it happened, and I knew it wasn't going to be good. I was hoping he just hyperextended his thing. But it looks like Jordan Brooks will be done for the season with a
0: torn ACL. Yeah, man, you feel for Brooks, man, because he was having a hell of a year. Gosh, that sucks. But, you know... This team rallies, next man up. Cody Barton put the green dot on, and Tanner Muse stepped in there. You got John Radigan out there as well, and you also have Nick Bellore So there's some guys who played linebacker in this league that will hopefully help pitch in for Jordan Brooks. But there was tons of guys who made plays on Sunday, Playmakers.
2: Touchdown, Seahawks!
0: Playmakers.
2: them what time it is!
0: Holy captain! Geno Smith. Back at it. 18-29, 183 yards, two touchdowns, QB rating of 103.1. People forget, man, this Jets came in with a very talented defense. We saw it on full display. They got Quinn and Williams, Sauce Gardner, who is as good as advertised. Seeing him live and in person, that boy can play. They have DJ Reed, joiner. So they got a lot of good talented players. And Geno Smith did what he could, had a good game, and completed, most importantly because I'm petty, not not Gino. This is this is coming from me. <laughs> Completed his revenge tour going 3-0 against his former teams, beat the Giants, the Chargers, and the Jets. Gino had nothing but good things to say about the Jets organization. He harbors no ill will, no bitter feelings, but I know it still had to feel good because, you know, I saw a stat today bump. Gino just went over 4,000 yards. Only other player to do that in Seahawks history is Russell Wilson. The Jets... Ain't never had nobody throw for 4,000 and they've been looking for some of that stuff since Joe Namath or something like that. So it's been, it's been pretty well. So it's good to see Gino ball out his former team. And, you know, also hit a couple incentives in the process.
2: Yeah, man, he made some money this year. And uh, again, he completed the revenge tour. He's going to toss for 30 touchdowns. I'm going to go ahead and claim it. That'll put him in the ranks with Dave Craig and Russell Wilson as the only quarterbacks in franchise history to do it. So Gino, man, this continue to have a good year. Ken Walker, having a good year too, 133 yards on 23 carries. He had 142 scrimmage yards yesterday. So he's a third rookie in franchise history with a thousand scrimmage yards and brings second in franchise history for the most rushing yards by a rookie. He's got 936. He needs just 64 yards to reach a thousand. Something tells me the Hawks are going to make sure he gets it. And DJ Dallas, the other running back, had himself a day, 106, all-purpose yards, seven carries for 43, three receptions, Two punt returns. He's on special teams as a returner and as a tackler. DJ doesn't leave the field. That's what you need out of a guy like him.
0: Oh, yeah. Love to see it. DJ's been an important part of this team all year long, and it's good to see him get utilized. I think that's exactly how he needs to be used. A little bit of run, a little bit of pass, a little bit on third down in the return game. So I love to see DJ balling out. And then you guys mentioned it, or we talked about it with Ray. Quentin Jefferson had a hell of a game four tackles, one and a half sacks, two TFLs, three QB hits. Now it's five and a half sacks on the season, which is a career high. And another guy, Daryl Taylor, we mentioned earlier, three tackles, two and a half sacks, one pass defended and three QB hits. And it was just refreshing to see some pressure. It was refreshing to look at another quarterback who's kind of rattled. You see Mike White. He's throwing yeah. everything high. He's throwing balls in the dirt. He was never comfortable in the pocket. And previously, a lot of a lot of quarterbacks haven't had that pressure. You know, the Sam Darnolds of the world, other guys that were unable to stand in that pocket, Brock Purdy, and be comfortable. That was not the case on Sunday. So, hope the Seahawks can uh, kind of move that forward as they go against the Rams and hopefully into the postseason.
2: Yeah, man. Um, Quentin Jefferson and Daryl Taylor both did their thing, man. You mentioned Quentin, his stats. You got DT with his two and a half sacks, one pass defended. Um, but this secondary, I was proud of the secondary. Obviously, the big matchup going in was Tariq Woolen versus Sauce Garner. Sauce had himself a day. He had four passes defended, but uh, Tariq did two, seven tackles, one pass defended. Mike Jackson recorded his first career interception. Fumbled that thing. His own teammate forced fumbled. <laughs> fumble. It's okay. We kept possession. He also had four tackles and one pass defended. We saw a lot of Jonathan Abram as well. There was a lot of that three safety look um, we uh, we saw against the Jets, he had five tackles and one pass defended, but uh, Quandre Diggs, man, he became the only player in the NFL to record at least three interceptions in each of the past six seasons. That is consistency, and this group held Mike White to 240 yards in a 47.4 QB
0: rating. Needless to say, man, the secondary showed up and did, did what they were supposed to do. Absolutely, and I look back at the snap counts. Jonathan Abram played every snap, which is crazy. A couple of weeks ago, I think he played two snaps, so that three-safety look, especially with you know, Brooks out as well, that was really cool to see him. Abram almost had a pick, too. He, yeah. He'll tell you he should have caught that like yesterday, but it was good to see them. The secondary definitely balled out, so I was really impressed by that. And Quandre Diggs, you're starting to get on list with, like, Ed Reed and stuff when you start mm-hmm. doing that kind of stuff. I was looking it up. I think Ed Reed, his streak of at least three was eight seasons. So we'll see if Quandre can eventually catch him. And when you start talking about the goats of the goat at that position, you're in good company with Quandre Diggs. But, Bump, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, an electric receiver roundup in terms of res- pass catchers, but what did you see from them on Sunday? I
2: saw DK only catch one football. I saw that for three yards. This has to be one of the lowest production it is. Uh, it was. Productive games for him. But, uh, hey, you get the W, and I'm sure he'll take that. DJ led all receivers as a running back. with <laughs> Three receptions for 55 yards. still a fan. Had two for 40. Kobe Parkinson scores for the first time since week one. Crazy. As soon as he scored, had to look it up. I go, what's the last time this dude got in the end zone? Yeah, 16, 17 weeks ago. He had five for 36. Tight ends let the charge really tight ends and running backs. Tyler Lockett at two for 15. I believe he needs how many more? He's close to a thousand. He needs what like forty to fifty more yards to reach a thousand yards receiving, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think it's even less than that. Honestly, he's right there. And that's gonna continue a streak where it's four consecutive seasons with that. So hopefully he keeps that going. So we got some marks to hit. We got to make sure.
2: Um, Ken Walker gets his 1,000 yards. got to make sure Lockie gets his 1,000 yards. We also saw Laquan Treadwell. He had two catches on two targets for 15 yards. Ken Walker had one for nine. It was a good one for nine too, man. Out the backfield makes a guy miss getting north-south. Then we talked about Tyler had his one catch for a touchdown. Godwin got a reception one uh, for three yards and then Kay Johnson didn't get any recessions, but he was out there and had a couple of targets. So, you know, we saw we're seeing names pop up on this list that we haven't seen in ever or in a while. So uh, even if they don't produce a lot, you know, they're uh they're in the box score. Give them some love.
0: Yeah, But I just looked it up. Tylock has 979 receiving yards this season, so he's 21 short. I'm pretty certain he's gonna get that. I think it was what it was two years ago. This is during the COVID season where. Tyler, DK, and even, I think, Demo at the time had some incentives at the end, and they made sure, boom, Tyler's going to get his record. First possession, DK got his thing. And I think on the last play of the game, Shotty called where Russ did a little touch pass to Demo, so he hit the incentive. So it's something the coaches know about, so I I, I think they take pride in that and let those guys hit those milestones. But uh, let's flip it over to the coach's corner we talked about a little bit ago. Geno Smith finds Colby Parkinson in the end zone for 12-yard touchdown.
1: Second down and nine empty backfield for Gino four receivers across the board. Gino has time. He's gonna throw in the back corner. Caught touchdown! Seahawks. What a start! Colby Parkinson from 12 12- So only the big tight end at 6'7 can reach up and grab it. The Seahawks, what are we, four plays into the game, have taken a 6 nothing lead.
2: Yeah, you, uh, you got to love it. Love to see it, especially early. Raves just said it, what, four plays into the game? Actually, it was three plays, I want to say. And uh, they scored a touchdown. You get a little empty look. You got two receivers to the left of Geno. Actually, you have DK and then Ken Walker in the slot. To the right, you got the big boys, Kobe Parkinson, closest to the line of scrimmage. I believe that's Noah Fant. And then you have, oh, no, sorry. That was Lockett up top with DK. You got Ken Walker on the bottom on the outside with two tight ends inside of him, Kobe being the number three receiver. Um, You got Lockett that goes in motion. It's man, but... um, that safety or DB passes a lock it off to um, the defender on the outside on the second level there. And you should know, once the Seahawks get down here, they're going to work the back of the end zone, that corner. That's exactly what happens. You got lock it on the little bubble look right there. Uh, Ken Walker, the number one receiver runs this a, a spot route is what we call that. And this gets inside. And then you got Noah Fant running like a shallow dig. So what that does is it attracts the defenders below. And then Kobe Parkinson just works the corner and he gets held right here. P.I. Mm-hmm. like a mug, but he finds <laughs> a way to uh, get, get hands off him, snaps it to the corner, and then, like Rabel said, 6'7". You just throw that thing up and Kobe's going to come down with
0: it. That's kind of what we've been waiting for all season long. You know, Kobe Parkinson did a lot of work this offseason, getting his body right, a lot more physical, a lot more in the run game, which he's been asked to do all season long, and he's been good at that. But he's a six seven frame. Like you said, you can't teach height, and that's what we've kind of been looking for, this red zone threat. And you mentioned a lot of times we'll you'll see Tyler Lockett on this corner route down here in the end zone. I like how they kind of switched it up, and that's Kobe Parkinson just going out there making a play, getting the feet down, like you said, while being held. So love to see Kobe making plays because they need him. He's a guy that can really, I yeah. think, between those three, between Dis, Noah Fan, Parkinson, you had throw Mabry in there. This is a really talented receiving core guys that can do it all. So love to see Colby getting after it. But back in victory formation, we haven't done this a lot over the past six weeks, so it's always, always good for a Seahawks victory. Never take it for granted.
1: A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out.
0: Seahawks get the job done when they absolutely needed it. They started fast and never looked back. It's a lot easier to play with the lead. It turns out, Bump. Ken Walker yeah. got the running game on track, back-to-back 100-yard game. So it was really cool to see that.
2: Yeah, man, um, it's nice when you jump out in front, and this defense doesn't feel like they have to play perfect. But then you jump out in front, then the defense has your back with an interception. So a a great start. Ken Walker over 100 yards for the second time. And then one of the questions going into this game was, all right, Abe Lucas is going to be out. Who's going to step up and how will they play? And it was a stone Forsythe. And he had an excellent game. We talked to big Ray. He mentioned he played well And this offense took care of the football. It was the first turnover free game of the season, which is remarkable to hear. I It didn't, it doesn't feel like they turned the ball over every game. I know as of late, it's
0: felt like that, but the whole season, that was wild. Yeah, man. I, I didn't believe that when I looked it up, man. So it was really cool to see the Seahawks take care of the football. That's what we've asked pretty much all season long. And then you look at you look at defensively, they kept the Jets out of the end zone. Can't ask for anything more than that. They did what they needed to do. And you wanted to see that against a struggling Jets offense, and that's exactly what they did. And they got after Mike White. Four times, created three turnovers. Good all around win. But
2: yeah. Good win for these dudes. Now it's about Just keeping things going, man. You got the Rams coming up. You got to take care of business there. And you need some help from the Lions to get into the playoffs. So first things first, you just take care of your business. You handle your assignment. And then you can sit back and see what happens in the late game with the Lions.
0: Yes, Seahawks fans clinging on to their playoff hopes. We'll keep you posted on that. We'll preview the Rams on Wednesday with the Seahawks podcast. Then we'll join you on Sunday for the game. And may pay attention, get to a radio during the game because that's when the Packers and Lions are playing. We'll keep you updated on all those scores. But the Seahawks beat the Jets 23-6. He's Michael Bumpus. I'm Toby. This has been Hot Talk. Talk to you on Wednesday.